Seven Fane Swamp, The Web, five years before the departure of the fateful Lakewall Caravan. The thing he'd wanted most was to open a candle shop. Yes, a nice little shop, in Vocaster, most likely. Others had such grand schemes for a strip of Domova, but not him. A simple candle shop, the wonderful smells of his creations delighting himself and his customers. Yes, the thing he'd wanted most was to open a candle shop. But at the moment, the thing he wanted most was to get those damn keys and trap that fucking owl. Lacrimel sat up, gritting his teeth as the arrow in his side burst with agony. He couldn't scream. Thankfully, someone else did it for him. The scream drifted across the swamp. He heard flapping wings, and then the scream was silenced. Damn, another one gone. They thought they'd been prepared, but this, this was chaos. This was carnage. Lacrimel crawled slowly to Ramek. The massive slate's eyes were covered by his shield, and his carried vault was still fastened with chains to his back. Another scream swept across the swamp, and Lacrimel flinched. Remick's shielded head turned, sensing his friend near. I'm dead, Remick said. There are a few of us left, and three entire cells are decimated trying to kill this, uh, this, this thing. Uh, we do it for the Lord of Deep Stone, Lacrimel said calmly. For the people of Odros, for the glory of achievement. Glory the church denies exists. Let this not be in vain, Ramek said, and he was gone. Lacrimal bowed his head and allowed himself a tear. He wished he could survive this to burn a candle for his dear friend, but alas, Lacrimal did not for the Lord of Deep Stone. He'd done all this for that damn candle shop, but in this moment, he needed those damn keys and to trap that fucking owl. Previously, the execution of Granite's unknown plans draw near, as does the foretold day of Efer's death. Efer has revealed both her own tale and her plans to Tali and Whisper. They are going to steal from the slate. But there are still many questions to be answered. Efer seems to have omitted details to the children, but there is much she is not aware of herself. Chapter 8 The Profaned Hunter Lacrimal hadn't noticed the lad's return until he spoke. His silence is why he'd been selected for the task at hand. Sorry about your shelf, the lad said, looking at Ramek. He wore simple leather armor with a cavalcade of small knives strapped to his chest, arms, and legs. 
Your cell handles beasts? He asked nervously. We mostly focused on espionage. Simple work. I didn't even think that things like, like this. A screeching filled the night air and the boy flinched. He recovered, his hand trembling. I didn't think things like this existed. Whatever the heck this is. The keys, boy. Did you get the keys? Lacromel asked. The lad nodded. Lacromel crawled over and extended his hand. The lad handed him the keys, and relief washed over the boy's face. Lacromel felt the keys' effect take hold, compelling him to place them on the ground and abandon them. He fought it. He reached under his chainmail and retrieved his own key. He crawled back to where Ramek's body lay. I'm sorry, old friend. I know you would have killed me for this. Lacromel tore a strip of fabric from his shirt and held it to his eyes, testing the length. Perfect. Help me roll him. He nodded to the body of the shelf. We must be silent. The lad looked grimly at the massive frame of the dead shelf and the hulking metal vault chained to his back. He nodded. Lacrimel reached into one of the pockets of his dear companion and retrieved the remaining dried blooms and the final key. It took a while to roll Ramek. Whizzing arrows, massive wings, guttural shouts. This was the music to which they worked. Poor bastards. They'd all be dead. Let Ramek's wish come true and this not be in vain. When Ramek was face down, the door to the vault was exposed. Lacrimel felt his mind already beginning to spin, to yearn. He took one of the purple flowers he'd retrieved and ate it. He instantly felt the mind-numbing effects and his vision swam. He held a flower out to the lad. Gloom bloom, he said, his voice slurring. Eat it. Wait, you aren't going to... No, you can't, the lad hissed. Lacrimel wasn't listening. He slotted the five keys into their respective locks on the door of the vault. The lad protested, even drew his weapon. Lacrimel paid him no heed. He placed the last key into the vault. He turned to the lad. Eat the flower, cover your eyes, and shut the... It was so fast. A blur of feathers, a scream, a warm splash of blood, and then Lacrimel was alone. Sweat drenched his body and his heart pounded. Something in the swamp bellowed and there was a terrible sloshing sound. Something heavy was moving through the swamp. Lacrimel stayed deathly still. The effects of the gloom bloom made it hard to know for how long he waited, but it was a while. When he was sure his position had not been betrayed, he returned to his task. Stupid. The boy had been shouting, he realized. Eating the flower so early was a mistake. Ironically, the effects had now mostly worn off and his mind felt sharp again. There were no more flowers left. The blindfold would have to suffice. Lacrimel's hands shook as he tied the fabric over his eyes. He turned his key. The odor of bizarre herbs, flowers, and musty books wafted out. His mind jolted off in every direction, twisting and groping, bagging Lacrimel to simply peek at the contents, bagging him to consider the weight of knowledge, to consider the scale of the universe, to read even one book, to learn one thing. He grunted and shook his head. He knew the placement of most items in the vault. It should be dead center, right there, right in the middle. He just had to reach in. His hand wrapped around the familiar shaft of the spear. It felt so strange like something grown, not made. He pulled it free, then quickly and quietly closed the vault. The smells dissipated. He sat, clutching the spear, breathing deeply and stilling his mind. 
He counted. He made it to ten and realized that he had not thought back to the contents of the vault. He sighed in relief. As he removed the blindfold, he chuckled. He'd smelled a bit of nectar horn he'd stored in there. Remick had decried the use of the sacred vault for such a menial thing. Lacrimel had wanted to keep it safe. It would have made a good candle. Whatever rover and cell they sent to retrieve the vault would surely be confused about why there was nectar horn stored in there. He looked down at the weapon in his hand. It was a twisting mess of vines, wood, and thorns that formed a long, solid shaft leading to a thorn-barbed tip, both a spear and a stalk of a plant. Lacrimel had never used it, but he knew what it could do. The weight was excruciating. The arrow in his side meant he didn't have long. The sound of combat had long stopped. He remained still. Everyone else was dead, but the thing would not relent. It would search. And it did. When it found Lacrimel, he was ready. He leapt up, his spear blocking the blow that had been directed for his head. He reached out to Scepter so far away and pulled on its power. A gust of wind knocked back his assailant. He was rebuffed by a gust of wind from the other direction, and he fell back. He spied the carcass of a giant beast slain and lying in the middle of the swamp. So there had been more than two sides to this fight. That explained the chaos. The distraction allowed a blow to be landed. A fire spread up his arm and he screamed. This was it. He called on Scepter, on that strange configuration so few had called upon. He felt a burst of energy, of zeal, and of strength. If the wound didn't kill him, this would. He felt every ounce of exchange he had burn away. Everything moved slowly, but him. He saw the owl swooping in. He shouted and thrust out with all his might. The weapon found its mark, piercing feathers and flesh. The spear now writhed in his grip, flowing apart into barbed tendrils and burrowing into its victim. Lacrimal collapsed. He felt his own hot blood juxtaposed with the cool water of the swamp. And he smelled pineapple. Ah, of course. Lilypad smelled of pineapple. He'd never thought of that. Now that would have made a nice exotic candle. The people of Vocaster would have loved that. <sighs> Ramek would have hated it, of course. It was done. His brothers would retrieve the owl. The only thing Lacrimel wanted now was to smell those damn lily pads. The smell got stronger and stronger. Lacrimel relaxed and let himself sink into the fragrant and festering swamp. The Web, four days after the departure of the fateful Lakewall caravan. Drell was a caravan warden, and he was a good one. Well, he liked to think he was. Opinions amongst his superiors differed. He'd been obsessed with the caravans ever since childhood. It was rare that they traveled to his home of Mission Bluff, but when they did, he'd pester his father to let him explore the sprawling expanse of carts and carriages. A caravan had everything. Ice carts hauling fresh fruits and vegetables, two-storied carriages carrying Odrossian politicians, consortium mages, and merchants with obscure and foreign wares. Every time a caravan visited, his father would buy him a small trinket. He'd cherished every one. In fact, 
Even now, as an adult and warden, he kept one safely stashed in his surcoat. It was a small frog made out of what he suspected was actual frog skin. It wore a small hat and squeaked when you squeezed it. He sometimes rubbed it when he was nervous. At the moment, he was rubbing it furiously. Even us slate are forbidden to open this vault, the slate in green Lyrian said sternly. If you are on guard duty, keep your distance. If you are feeding, pass the food through the small slot and return to your post. Lyrian spoke slowly, emphasizing her points. When asked what was being fed, Lyrian offered no reply. Drell nodded along as the slate spoke. He couldn't help but constantly switch his gaze from the slate to the vault. It was unlike any vault he'd seen. It was plain with no ornament to be found. It appeared a device of pure utility, and that utility was imprisonment. Whatever was inside, they did not want it getting out. The edges of it were strange, a bizarre geometry. They sloped, slanted, and spiked, overlapping into strangely solid structures. It had been added to the caravan unexpectedly, arriving mysteriously after the caravan had already departed Lakewall. Everything about it was unusual. I've never seen anything like this before, Drell whispered to the gray-bearded warden beside him. The old man grunted. I've seen one, he said grimly, and I prayed to the Lord of Deepstone I'd never see one again. Drell shuddered to think of what would make a grizzled veteran say something like that. Lyrian finished her speech and stood back. The warden shuffled uneasily. But what's in it? Someone asked again. Lyrian scowled, but Featherbound stepped forward. It's not baked goods, I can assure you of that. Unless we at some point discover that it has strangely transformed into baked goods, it is advised you do not ask. I heard it's the owl, someone said. An owl? Drell didn't know whether to laugh or cower. The rest of the warden seemed to have a similar reaction. Nervous chuckles punctuated the tension. The caravan head stepped forward and gestured for silence. His face was grim. Enough questions. Here's what I can say. I owe you that much. There have been certain complications of late. Several caravans that would have departed for Oceanwall were delayed. Drell had heard of the handful of church officials that had gone missing since a raucous party at Bishop Granite's hamlet. This caravan was chosen to transport this vault to a mission in the web. From there, it will travel back down to Oceanwall, its true destination. That is all we can say. None of this felt right to Drell. He'd do what was needed. He was a good warden, after all. But he didn't like this one bit. Drell realized he'd accidentally squeezed his toy frog too hard. Lyrian scowled. Is there a question? The slate in green asked. Drell slowly raised his hand. She can't see, you blazing idiot, the old warden hissed. Drell's cheeks burned red. Uh, yes, I have one, Drell said. Uh, why are we moving it? Laughter shattered the tension, and the caravan head hid his face in his hands. Featherbound chuckled along, but Lyrian seemed furious. That was just explained. No, I... Oh, I, I see, yes, I see, Drell said, chuckling nervously to himself. I asked the wrong question. No caravans available, got it, but there will be at some point, right? So why are we taking this vault all the way into the web, only for it to come back down to Ocean Wall? 
Couldn't it just stay in Lake Wall until a caravan finally leaves for Ocean Wall? Drell licked his lips. There were murmurs of agreement around him. He continued, It just feels like the key thing here is the vault needs to keep moving, which is worrying because it, it feels like you don't want to leave it in any one place for long, which makes me think, you know, why are we moving it? The wardens fell deadly silent. The only one who was still chuckling was Featherband, who nudged his cohort. He makes a fair point, Lyrian. Why the shell game with the wretched creature, hmm? It is a direct command from the Cardinal of the Hunt, Lyrian said, unless you wish to question his eminence. Uh, wasn't the Cardinal of the Hunt murdered years ago? Drell asked. Lyrian turned and left, clearly flustered. They elected a new one, you buffoon, the gray-bearded warden mumbled. Drell looked at the old warden. She did ask if we had questions, right? There was more laughter. Drell ascertained that it was at his expense. The Cardinal of the Hunt. Could there truly be an owl in the vault? Drell stared at the strange geometry, rubbing his little frog. He was glad to have the little trinket when the caravan head told him he'd be taking first watch. He was alone. There were other wardens nearby, sure, but they were assigned to the other two rolling vaults. Thankfully, the fear of nearing the slate's vault made the task simple. No one dared approach. Drell simply stood, playing with the toy frog in his surcoat. His mind began to drift. He let his guard down for just a moment. Drell jumped when he noticed the girl kneeling beside the vault and fell painfully to one knee. He drew his sword and held it out, quivering. The girl barely even looked in his direction. Her hair was a mess, flecked with twigs and leaves. Drell mistook her for some strange storybook forest creature before the pale light of the lamp revealed her face. He recognized her. One of the Mage Efer's students, a known troublemaker, but harmless. You shouldn't draw a sword on a mage like that, the girl said. I'm sorry, Drell said. He stood up and sheathed his sword, trying to convey a sense of authority through his wincing. You can't be here, he said stiffly. He's singing in there. What? Drell asked. At first I thought it was empty, but now I hear him. He's a bit pitchy. Are you... are you joking? Drell asked. Like birdsong? Do you hear an owl? His mind returned to the rumor he'd heard. Did owls sing? He stooped down and brought his ear near to the strange, jagged geometry of the vault. He did hear something. A human voice. Wind shadows withdraw their veils Neath skies of azure vast The hunt of the fourth sin rode out it stopped mid-line. Drell was so enraptured he nearly called out for the prisoner to continue. He realized he was kneeling, listening. As he went to stand, he noticed that the strange geometry of the vault allowed you to look up and inside. Curious, he leaned closer. A yellow eye stared out at him. He gasped and stumbled back, never breaking sight with that piercing yellow eye. The owl, he cried out. The owl. Two hands suddenly grasped the opening, and a face came into the light. Not an owl, but a man with yellow eyes. One of his hands was not flesh at all, 
but a twisted mess of vines and thorns speckled with small orange stones. The owl, the voice said from inside. They used to call me that. Then they called me the profane taunter. Now they call me Thing. Barris, bring me the red Barris from... Drell scrambled away, his heart thundering in his chest. He turned around to look. He shrieked at the sound in the dark. So much was happening all at once. Why was there so much happening all at once? The culprit of the sound revealed itself. It was the girl who'd been beside the vault. She held his frog in her hands. She squeezed it, making it squeak again. Stop that, Drell hissed. Is this yours? She asked. He blushed. It was probably wise to deny being a warden who carried around a toy. But he knew he could not bear to part with his trinket. Yeah, he said, sticking his hand out. The girl frowned. Oh, I thought you were going to lie and I could keep it. Fine, here. She handed it back. Thanks, Drell mumbled. It just makes the days nicer, I guess. Oh, I have one of those, the girl said with a smile. It's a little black short sword I smithed while sneaking out of my orphanage in the evenings. I recently used it to blow up a beaker. What? My name's Tilly. I'll be seeing you around. I'll be back tomorrow to see if the owl sings any more songs. No, Drell shouted after her. Don't come back. You can't be here. I know that. I just don't care. Let me know if he sings a new one when I'm gone. And then she disappeared into the night. Drell was reprimanded. The head of the caravan yelled until he seemed like he would collapse. Then, Lyrian stepped in and did much the same. Drell hoped for a multitude of possible punishments. Cleaning wheels, cleaning pots and pans, deep stone, he'd clean a noble's ass if he needed to. Anything to get away from those yellow eyes and that strange hand. He was, of course, sentenced to guarding the owl, the profaned hunter, he was sentenced for two weeks, night shifts, every time. A sentence of pure misery. The next night, he simply stood there, rubbing his little toy frog. He was a good warden, but he constantly thought about simply fleeing. He caught glimpses of Tilly and shooed her away, but as the night grew darker and the moon paler, he almost wished she was there. He would have taken any distraction he could get. The vault was, for the most part, silent, but sometimes he'd hear that infernal singing, slow, morose, and vengeful. And every now and then he would catch a glimpse of a yellow eye, a thorny hand, and would hear a faint request for red berries. Drell stood there each night, trying to remember his love of the caravans and rubbing his little toy frog. Seven Fane Swamp, The Web, five years before the departure of the fateful Lakewall Caravan. Killer of Cardinals, Slayer of Beasts, Heretic to the Church and Heretic to His People, The Owl, The Profaned Hunter. The Owl stumbled forward, splashing the green water of the swamp. He gasped and struggled as he felt the eldritch spear burrow itself into the flesh of his arm. It had caught on the gray feathers that lined the whole of his cloak and ripped it from his back. He fell to the ground, trying to keep the grip on his sword. 
the strange thorny vines dug deeper. He screamed as it burrowed into his arm. He could see small orange stones poking out of the vines. Stay stone, of course. The man who'd stabbed him lay in the water, his face poking up. He still breathed and mumbled. How long had he waited for this moment to strike? His face was just barely visible in the festering swamp, but it had a small smile. The owl could not hate this man. He was a tool, a weapon, used by the church. Roverin or not, he was just a man. The man mumbled something. The owl stepped closer. Lilypad. The owl nodded, called on his monolith, bringing a breeze to blow one of the lilypads nearer to the dying man. He was shocked at the amount of exchange it took. This cursed spear. They called him the profaned hunter. They called him a heretic. They called him a thing. They sought him relentlessly for killing their cardinal, the cardinal of the hunt. What had he known of the hunt? The owl looked at the massive corpse of the beast that now lay in the middle of the swamp. Well, at least he'd accomplished what he'd set out to do before the Church of Deepstone had gotten him. They'd been as confused as he had by the three-sided battle, each group attacking and attempting to kill the other. The bodies of all of them now littered the swamp. He regretted their deaths, but he did not regret killing them. They would all join him on the shores of the abyss to fight with the Lord of Deep Stone. Let their journeys be swift and the fountains of the deep bountiful. He knelt, his entire body now stiff. The call of his monolith was completely choked out, and he cried as he realized he was alone. He looked up at the moon and sang. He stopped midline as the vines overtook him. The profaned hunter went rigid, trapped there in Savinfane's swamp, surrounded by bodies. The bodies of fellow devout of the Lord of Deep Stone. The bodies of beasts, all slain by his own hand. And one day, he would slay again. For listening. Everything you hear in this show is created by me, Adam Ganong. Every word written, every note played. If the work I am doing here has brought you some joy, some comfort, some entertainment, please consider supporting a solo creator on Patreon. Link to that is in the show notes down below. The Stone Singer Chronicles art is by Peter Bartel. Thank you, Peter. There is a link to his website in the show notes. A special thanks to my wife, Jenna Noor, and my friend, Destructobot. Join the Stonesinger Chronicles Discord to get extra information about the show and officially earn your rank as the Mage of the Third Bond. Again, link to that in the show notes down below. All right, and until next time. <laughs>